looked at it last week. We've been looking at this passage. We're going to go from here over into the New Testament tonight, but 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to start at verse 17, and then we're going to go out from there. And I want you all to notice that very distinguished-looking guy on the back row right there holding this Bible. That's uh, Brother Tim McCurry. Y'all know Brother Tim and his uh, youngest son, uh, Kenneth. And uh, they, that's Brother David's baby brother. Y'all know, y'all know this guy. And it's good to see them tonight. Brother Tim, Kenneth, good to see y'all this evening. Let's, let's make them feel welcome. I don't, I don't know how welcome they feel in Virginia, but I want them to feel welcome here. It's so good to see them. Praise God. Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. The word from the Lord, the word from Jehaziel the prophet. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Then he goes on to say, he's talking to Judah and Jerusalem. Then he says, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go ye out against them, for the Lord will be with you. I want you to notice there's three active words. Three active words in that passage of Scripture that, that he gave as a directive to the people of God, to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. He said, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. Set yourselves, I'm sorry, set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Everybody say set. Everybody say stand. Everybody say see. Set, stand, see. God bless you as you're seated. We've been talking on the thought that September is for stronger saints. And I do believe that God is preparing us. God is getting us to where we need to be as a body of believers, as individuals, as a church. September is us preparing. This is a preparation time. I honestly believe with all my heart that God is preparing us for the greatest revival that we've ever seen in our lives. I believe that. I honestly believe that God is preparing us. God's given vision to the bishop. God's given vision and dreams to the pastor teams. We, we just believe that God is preparing us for a mighty, mighty move of the Holy Ghost and a mighty last day in gathering of souls. I believe that. But there's some things that you and I need to develop in our own lives, and that's what's the focus. That's the focal point here in this month of September. September is for building up saints, for making our, or, or for strengthening the saints. But I want you to look at this. I'm going to read this passage again, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17, where the word from Jehaziel, the word of the prophet, the word from God, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. If you're taking notes, just jot these things down. Number one is set yourselves. Everybody say set yourselves. 
The word set yourself or the expression set yourself just literally means take up your position, man your station, put on your armor. Now, we were in prayer meeting last night, and God spoke through Sister Melba to tell us that she's been studying this chapter out. And, and it was this, she triggered something in me last night. And the Lord was like, let's go a little bit deeper in your thought on this, on this chapter and on this passage. To set yourselves. Set yourselves is just take up your position, man your station, put on your armor. Or it's basically saying suit up and be prepared. Suit up. And be prepared. The second thing is stand ye still. Everybody say stand ye still. And that just simply means stand firm. So set yourself, suit up, be prepared, stand firm. And three, see the salvation of the Lord or watch the Lord's victory. So you got, you, you, know, you, you know I like to use words that all start with the same letter. So let's do this. Let's use the word prepare, use the word position, and use the word posture. They mean the same, but pre- or mean what I just said about set yourself, stand still, see the salvation. But prepare yourselves. This is an activity of readiness. This is where we are right now. This is an activity of readiness. Prepare yourselves. Position Position yourselves, that means simply to arrange or to place, that means we're getting things where it needs to be, getting ourselves in order, and posture. So prepare, position, and posture. The word posture yourself or the thought for posturing yourself just simply means an attitude of expectation. This is how we're going to approach it. Now, are y'all with me? What about this side over here? Y'all with me? The victory is going to come from the Lord. But he wants us to be suited up and on the field. So what God is telling us is get out of your PJs and get into your armor. So a lot of us are in our pajamas and God wants us to be in our armor. So get out of your PJs and get into your armor. I'm telling you all something as your pastor tonight. A lot of us are talking about fighting a spiritual battle, but we're not geared up. A lot of us are talking about spiritual battle, but we're still walking around life like we're going to Walmart in our pajamas. And so God is telling us the battle is mine. You're going to be victorious. You're going to to reap the benefit of what I'm going to do for you. But you know there's some things that you've got to do. You've got to set yourself. You've got to prepare. You have got to get in this position and posture of a warrior. You've got to decide that I'm going to gear up. I'm going to get suited up. I am ready for the game. I'm ready to get into the battle. I never played organized sports, but I know Brother Buckley and some of you guys that have played sports, you know what it means to dress out. You get dressed. You're ready for the game. You don't show up to play football in your three-piece suit. You show up and put on your pads and get in your uniform. And you don't show up to this battle that we've been called to go out and fight in your, in your spiritual pajamas. You show up in your spiritual armor. So y'all got to help me preach. So turn around and tell your neighbor, get out of your PJs and get into your armor. Get out of your PJs and get into your armor. 
Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So let's recap it. You're not going to fight, God's saying, but you are expected to show up. Set yourselves. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. And then God said two times in this reading of Scripture, we're going to go back and read it in context, but two times God said, tomorrow go out against them. You see, the setting of this is this was one of the most troubling things that King Jehoshaphat and Judah had faced. Here is the army of the Ammonites and the Moabites and those that had allied themselves with them from over in Seir. They've come through the wilderness and in Gedi, and they're coming. And they have positioned their, themselves to overthrow Jerusalem and to overthrow Jehoshaphat. They positioned themselves to wipe them off the face of this earth, to do away with them. And the Bible tells us, and as it starts this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, that when Jehoshaphat heard the report, that he feared. He feared. He was afraid. There's some fear and there's some things that is gripping the hearts of saints of God today. And I, I, I know this to be a fact because there's things that's come against me. And I know if it comes against you or comes against me, there's things coming against y'all. And there's been some fears and there's been some concerns and there's been some things that have been distracted and some things look insurmountable and they, they look like they can't be overcome. So it's not a matter of whether you have fear or not. It's a matter of what you do with your fear. If you're afraid of something, if fear comes against you and if, or fear rises up in you because of what's come against you, if you're afraid... You're in pretty good company because King Jehoshaphat feared. And even the apostles that were in the boat with Jesus feared. So they're going through a storm. He's asleep in the middle of the boat. And they are fearful for their life to the point that they wake him up and they say, Master, we perish. It doesn't matter if you're afraid. What matters is what you do when you are afraid. So don't go thinking that you're backslidden just because you've got fear about something. Here's what you need to do. When you face your fear or when your, your fear comes up against you and you have to go out and face it, you need to do as the psalmist David said. He said, Lord, what time I am afraid, I'm going to trust in you. And so Jehoshaphat, here in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat feared and what they did was they prayed. They sought God. They leaned on the Lord. And they get this explicit message from the Word of God, and, and that was, tomorrow go out against them. In other words, suit yourself up, get on your armor, get everybody in position. Tomorrow go out against them because God is teaching them, you're going to go face your fears, you're going to go face what's facing you. You see, a lot of people hide in the sanctuary. 
Come on, I feel something from the Lord tonight. A lot of people hide in the sanctuary and hide out in the crowd. But God's got some, God's got some victories for you that are on the other side of you facing down your fear and deciding I'm going to get my armor on and I'm going to go into the battle because God's got this. Tomorrow, go out against them. Face your fear. Face what's facing you for the Lord will be with you. The lesson is you just simply have to stand on what you know and what you trust. So Second Chronicles starts out with this negative report. It's worse than CNN. It's worse than MSNBC. It's worse than anything that you, you have a disdain for right now. And here they come, they're bringing this report. The only problem is with this report that they were getting, it was actually true. Some of these news people are making stuff up. That sounds political, so I'm going to move on. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14, this is how this setting starts. Upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper." And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that they should, and that should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. And the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away and they were three days in gathering of the spoil it was so much the blessing was so great it took them three days to gather it all up and on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of baraka for there they blessed the name they blessed the lord 
Therefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Baraka unto this day. And that word just simply, Baraka just simply means blessed. This is a place of blessing. So it's, it's, it's just really awesome how that, that thing that looked like it was going to bring their destruction actually became an unbelievable blessing. And the things that look like it is going to bring an end to us actually could be setting up an indescribable blessing. Because that valley that held that multitude of people that came out for their destruction from the day from that day forth, after they saw their enemy slain in that valley, from that day forth, they called it the Valley of Blessing. They did not call it the Valley of Destruction. They did not even call it the Valley of the Great Battle. They called it the Valley of Blessing. And the things that preceded the Valley of Blessing were very simple. Sometimes we think things need to be a little more complicated. But the things that preceded the Valley of Blessing were very simple. The whole story unfolds with Jehoshaphat being afraid. The people seeing the problem. But here's what they did. Step by step, in order. Number one, they prayed. Prayer. Everything that comes against us in our life, we need to lead with prayer. If you're not leading with prayer, you're starting off on the wrong foot. If you've got a problem coming against you and the first thing you do is put a post on Facebook, you're ridiculous. You've got a problem coming up against you and you go to blogging about it before you talk to God about it, you're automatically jumping off on the wrong foot. As a matter of fact, what you should do even before you call a pastor is to call on the Lord. I'll never forget Sister Isla Deckard from Apostolic Bible Church. We pastored her there for years in Bloomington, Indiana. One of the awesomest people you'd ever meet. Just a sweet little lady. Did her husband's funeral. Her, she had a son pass. She's had death in the family. But man, she had some faith. And I get a phone call from her early one morning. Sister Isla, and she's praying. She's saying, Brother David, I need you to pray with me. I've already prayed. I've already been talking to God, but I just need you to pray with me. I need you to agree with me. And I said, you, know, you want me to come to your house? She said, no, just pray. The ambulance is on the way, and you probably won't even get here before, before that, that they get here. But Here's what she did. No, that's, that's not how it happened. Here's what she did. She said, I'm about to call the ambulance. As soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm about to call the ambulance. And I said, what's going on? She said, I'm having a heart attack. She was having a heart attack. And the first thing she did was pray for herself. The second thing she did was call me to pray with her. So I did a quick prayer, and I got off the phone, and I said, now call 911. <laughs> She's fine. She's fine to this day. God was just, God moved. But 
I love that faith, and something about it just registers in me. And another one was Sister Kane. I preached Sister Kane's funeral when she was 88 years old. She was about the same size as Sister Doris McMinn. And Sister Kane, I was visiting her at her house, and she wanted me to pray for her. She said, Brother David, I have this constant pain in my stomach. I want you to pray that God will just touch my body. And I said, let's pray. And so we prayed. And I said, Sister Kane, are you doing anything? You taking any medicine? She said, yes, I'm taking half an aspirin a day. We prayed. That woman was dying of stomach cancer. And living off prayer and a half an aspirin a day. There's people amongst this own congregation here, Sister Doris, that I mentioned as one of them that just wants to trust God and believe God for everything and praise Him for everything. I'm looking at some of you tonight that are the same way. But I'm also talking to some people tonight, and, and don't get offended at me, but I'm talking to some people here, and I'm talking to some people that are watching online that don't lead with prayer. But prayer should be the number one thing. No matter what we're facing, the number one thing we ought to do is pray. And if you don't have that connection with God, it's high time you develop that connection with God. That before you even pick up the phone to call a pastor, before you do anything, you ought to get a hold of the Lord and say, God, I'm coming to you with this one. I'm bringing this to you. Lead with prayer. Fear met faith. And it was handled with prayer. The second thing that they did, if you follow the order of it, was they received a promise. You see, prayer turned them toward God, and then God turned around and spoke to them a promise. And they stood on that promise because they trusted in the promiser. You see, a promise is only as good as the one that made the promise, and they were able to trust in the one that gave the promise. And let me just tell you all something here today, that power, or, or pardon me, prayer is going to connect you with the promiser. And the promiser's got the power. And the power and the promise, the power and the promise are always greater than the problem. The power of God and the promise of God are always greater than the problem. There is no multitude. There is no mountain. There is no obstacle. There is no valley. There is no battle that is greater than the power of God Almighty. But prayer and promise led to preparation. And that's where we started tonight. Preparation was setting ourselves or setting themselves to face their circumstances set stand see they set themselves to face it standing denotes a firm resolve along with an expectation of victory and God said if you'll set if you'll stand you're going to see you prepare yourself you stand in expectation, and you're going to see the victory. So the only active thing they did after they got their suit on, turn around and tell your neighbor, 
Get out of your PJs and into your armor. We said that 10 minutes ago, but I think you forgot it. So after they got their armor on, the army's marching out, and here comes the praise team. I never would, Benji. If we're going to play dodgeball, I'm going to get you on my team. But I don't think I'm going to get the praise team on my team. If we're going to play softball or football, I, I, now Jared, you're an exception. You're on the praise team. But Bonnie's a great singer. She's my favorite singer. Nicole is a good singer. But if I'm picking a team to go play football or baseball or softball, I ain't picking them first. I'm sorry. I want to win. Right, Neon? I mean, I'll pick her on my team, but that's not going to be my first choice. If I'm picking a team to go into a game that I want to win that game, there's very few people up here on the praise team I'm going to pick. But that's exactly who led the charge. The charge was led by the praise team. So here comes the praise team, and they're leading the charge, and the people that the army is actually following along behind them, and praise preceded the army. we got to pray first, and then praise needs to come right along behind it. Y'all with me? So they prayed, and God gave them a word, and then they walked out with praise, and praise preceded the army. You know what it was? It was prayer. It was preaching. It was praise. These are three infallible keys to victory. You ever heard that before? The old guy around here, Bishop Pop, the three keys to revival is preaching, praying, and praising. Preaching, praying, praising. He said it in that order because he likes preaching. The way it, the way it was in, in the book of Second Chronicles 20, it was praying, preaching, praising. Prayer, here comes the word, here comes the praise. And when those things happen, the believers profited. It's just as simple as that. And there's no, there's no point in trying to reinvent things now while we're in the middle of the game. You're in the middle of a game, you don't change your strategy. If your strategy works, you stick with your strategy. You don't decide you want to start trying something new. Prayer Preaching and praise have worked. They'll continue to work. Let's just stick with the plan. And so the church, the saints, the believers profited. They gathered the spoils. They received the blessing. And they enjoyed the rest. I'm talking about the literal rest that followed the victory. And that valley that the enemy came out against them in will always be remembered as the place of blessing. The valley of Baraka unto this day. Last week I talked to you from the same passage of Scripture, and I'm talking to you about September is for strengthening the saints or for stronger saints. And I used the thought about the battle is the Lord's, but the going is up to us. And Paul tells us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. 
I want to tell you something today. It's not the person that sits on these chairs in this building that's your problem. You may have problems with them, but that's not your problem. It's not the person on the job that's your problem. You may have problems with them, but that's not your problem. It's not even your spouse. You may have problems with them, but that's not your problem. I went through this myself. I'm one of those guys that's old enough now to talk from experience. And I remember probably about 20 years ago going through that same issue that I thought that, man, if God would just work on Bonnie, my marriage is going to be so good. I've shared this with y'all. I shared this with every couple that I, that I counsel with. And I remember I went to that altar in Bloomington, Indiana, and I cried out before the Lord. And I'm like, God, would you please help Bonnie be a better wife? Now, some of you are fidgeting because y'all prayed the same prayer. I saw some fidgeting as I said that. And I'm sitting there, I'm praying. This is honest to goodness. She's heard this over and over again. And while I'm sitting there on this side or, or kneeling on this side of the altar there at Apostolic Bible Church in Bloomington, Indiana, God spoke to me. And God said, I want to show you something. And he took me to Ephesians chapter 5, and he highlighted the passage for me that said, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And the Holy Ghost just hauled off and just thumped me upside the head. Because what I saw was myself. And I'm praying, God, help her be better. And God said, you love her. Like I love the church. And you know what that means? That means that's the exact opposite of selfish love. You love her as Christ loved the church. That's the exact opposite of selfishness. That's loving no matter how she acts. That's loving no matter how things are. That's loving no matter what, what she does or how she is. You just love her because you love her and don't worry about anything else. And I repented and I cried and I prayed and I said, Lord, help me to love her just the way you love the church. And man, in two weeks, she was better. Because it wasn't her, it was me. And, and I'm told you this because the Holy Ghost is driving me to tell you some of y'all want to line up and get counseling, want to line up and talk about some stuff that if you would just get out of your PJs and into your spiritual armor and realize I'm going to pray through this thing. I'm going to pray through this. Because... They may be causing me problems, but they are not my real problem. The battle is not against flesh and blood. And though we live in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. It's just telling us you're not going to talk your way out of this one. You're not going to drink your way out of this one. You're not going to vape your way out of this one. You're not going to drug your way out of this one. There's some battles that you can only win spiritually, and you've got to realize that. 
I don't want to be, I, I, I don't want to be offensive. But I know that if I were to stand up here and say, man, I've got this really terrible headache, I'd have some of y'all lining up with all kinds of medicine. Matter of fact, some of y'all can make some good money on some of that stash that you have at home because you've got so much stuff. And a lot of our issues, you've chosen to medicate it rather than pray about it. I'm going to keep driving this home because what's going to happen? What's going to happen if things take a turn in our country? And the Bible tells us, God told Jeremiah, one of Sister Maddie's favorite passages is in Jeremiah. And God told Jeremiah, he said, let me ask you a question. When Jeremiah went to whining and complaining to God about something, and God said, let me ask you a question. If the footmen are wearying you, what are you going to do when the horsemen show up? And if that flooded stream is bothering you, what are you going to do when the real flood comes? In other words, Jeremiah, if you haven't learned to deal with little things, what are you going to do when the big thing gets here? And that's what we're doing tonight. What we're doing tonight is getting out of our pajamas and into our armor. God is strengthening us because every one of the tools and all of the equipment we need to be victorious and super victorious is right here with us today. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We're in a battle. God gave me a message a couple weeks ago to talk to you about its victory pains. We're in a battle. But we're experiencing victory pains. Because everything that we're going through, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And if God tells me to get up and put my armor on, to set myself, get prepared, and then walk out toward what's causing me the most fear in my life, if God tells me to do those simple things, even though he's told me the battle is not yours, it's mine. But if he says you get armed, you get dressed, you get prepared as if you're going to battle. We want to hide behind the statement of God saying the battle is not yours, it's mine. And decide that we're going to sit on the bench and do nothing. But the, because the, the Lord said the battle is not yours, it's mine, does not mean that we're just going to go along for the ride. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Set yourselves. Get prepared, get armed, get ready, get dressed, put on that whole armor. Stand still. That means stand firm, be on guard, be ready. And you're going to see the salvation 
of the Lord. We live in the flesh, but our battle is not fleshly. We're not fighting with fleshly means, and we're not warring with human might. And our warfare is not with human weapons. It's the power of God. It's divine power. To demolish strongholds, those fortresses, those strong defense. And notice again, even though Paul said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, he mentioned things like pulling down and casting down and bringing into all these expressions denote involvement. There's never a victory won in church by sitting and doing nothing. We may not literally fight, but we prepare for every battle. We're on guard. We're ready. You see, the battle is the Lord's, but the going is up to us. So let me just tell this. I've said this already before, and I'm going to tie this up. Stop making excuses and start making changes. Faith is not a backward-looking thing. It's a walk. Face what's facing you. Take it to the Lord and get dressed for battle. I want to close with Ephesians chapter 6. Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, where you, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me... That utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You guys are familiar with this, Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God. But Paul gives us this lesson on how we fight our battles. He said, this is what you do. You realize that You need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you need to put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We're not fighting fleshly battles, but spiritual wickedness in high places. And you're fighting against the powers of hell, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. But I want you to notice something that the armor is sandwiched between two directives and that was number verse number 10 11 and 12 where he said be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God it's not a physical fight but verse 18 is what ties it all together 
Verse 18 says, we're praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This is how we fight our battles. We arm ourselves with this whole armor of God. But then we fight when we begin to pray and engage spiritually. And he says this, he said it, we're praying always. Everybody say always. We're praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We've got to get past the point where the only time we feel the Spirit of God moving is when we're in here in a worship service on Sunday, Sunday morning or Sunday night. Matter of fact, I'd feel a whole lot more comfortable about myself and about you if you felt the Spirit of God just as powerfully while you're alone with God in your prayer closet or in your own personal prayer time. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The Spirit is what connects us. This gives us access. The Spirit guides our prayer. Sometimes we don't even know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit prays through us. And the Spirit goes where we can't go. I can't go to Portland, Oregon, where part of my heart is, but the Spirit can. You can't go to Poland or to the other side of the world, but the Spirit of God can. Always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This is not a metaphor. This is literal. We literally watch and pray. It's a spiritual battle. We focus most of our time when we look at Ephesians chapter 6 on that whole armor. But what bookends the description of the armor is Paul talking about, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, put on the armor, that you'd be able to stand. And you want to be able to, having done all, to stand, to stand. Be strong. Look at your neighbor and say, be strong. This is the power by which we battle. And I'm closing with this. Baby, come to the piano. We're strong in the Lord. We're strong in the power of his might. The scripture is replete with illustration after illustration. David's a good one about how he went out to face Goliath and he said, I can't fight with these things that I'm not familiar with. I can't fight with the weapons that other men fight with. Some of you feel a little insecure because you aren't like somebody else. Don't worry about it. God's the same God. Some of you haven't engaged yourself in spiritual battle because you don't feel like you're, I feel the Holy Ghost driving me to tell you this. Some of you haven't engaged in spiritual warfare in your own, in your own life and in your own situation because you feel like you are not adequate to do it. But he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not by might nor yet by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. 
And I know we always need somebody. But every single one in this room, your first go-to plan of action ought to be to hit your knees in prayer or to lift your voice in prayer and to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And to realize that the same Spirit of God that fills the pastor behind the pulpit is the same Spirit of God that fills the lonely one that feels like nobody cares. The power of the prophets, the visual that they give us to be strong in the Lord. This echoes Jehovah's words throughout the entire Old Testament. It's what God told Joshua. And I got to find a stopping point, but Moses was gone. And God told Joshua, Joshua 1, 5, there shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. I want that old guy right there on the second row of chairs, I want him to be here forever and and that much younger than him wife of his. I, I want her to be here forever, but Benji, the time's going to come that they're going to be laid at state right here and we're going to stand behind this podium and we're going to preach their services and we're going to honor them as all you elders that are in this room tonight. And so what I'm doing is reminding you that God is speaking to us and saying, I've been with them, but I'm with you. You can step it up. You can stand up. You can move forward. You can engage yourself in this battle because the God that's brought you to this point is the God that's going to bring you through where you are and the God that's going to show you how powerful he is. And God told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong in the Lord and stand. 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 Would you stand with me right now? Literally stand. I know God is working. And I know that we're going to overcome. And I know that we're going to be victorious. And I know that we are more than conquerors. And I say that not just as a statement. I say that because I believe that with everything that is within me. I don't want to stand here and offer empty words at any time that I stand behind this pulpit. I only, I only want to give what I know is going to stand and what's going to be truthful. And I know without a doubt. I know without a doubt that the catalyst that some of you need in your own life. I feel this in the Holy Ghost and I'm finishing up. But that catalyst, that thing that is going to trigger some things in your life and set some other things in motion. For some of you, it's you simply by yourself deciding I'm going to get out of my casual PJs I'm going to put on this whole armor of God 
I'm going to set myself. I'm going to stand my ground. And I'm going to see the salvation of the Lord. You don't even know how powerful you are in God until you decide, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to see a victory. Would you just raise your hands to the Lord right now? Come on, all over this room. I know we're overcomers collectively, but somebody's got to understand I'm an overcomer individually. I'm an overcomer in my own life. I'm an overcomer. I'm a victorious child of God. I thank God for my brothers and for my sisters and my church family. But I'm going to stand, and I'm going to do it myself. And I made up my mind that I'm going to stand. Come on, love him together in this room.